Hey, everybody, and welcome to the State of the Art Podcast, where we're talking about art, technology, and most importantly, why you should give a shit. I'm your host, Andrew Herman, and I'm a startup founder, an engineer, and a creative. I am fascinated by the collision of art and technology. I'm excited to bring you along as I meet artists, collectors, CEOs, and founders, and anybody else who lives on the border between art and technology. Today, I'm really excited to talk to Leonardo Manessas from the Museum of Tomorrow. The Museum of Tomorrow is based in Brazil. And first of all, they're absolutely, it's stunningly gorgeous. Check it out on the internet. Um, But more interestingly, they're focused on tackling some of the biggest problems facing the world over the next 50 years and figuring out how they can tackle those issues and explain those issues by using artists. Uh, It's a really intriguing merging of the natural sciences as well as art. So I'm really excited. Uh, Please help me welcome Leonardo Manessis to the program. Leonardo, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing fine. I'm Leonardo Menezes. I'm content manager here at the Museum of Tomorrow. And who do you have with you? I have Poliana Kerr. Poliana, you want to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Poliana. Uh, I'm working here in Museum of Tomorrow uh, at the communication team. And today I'm just to, uh, to help Leonardo here in the interview. Awesome. Great. Well, I'm super excited to talk to you guys. The museum looks uh, looks really super cool from all the research we've done. Um, so uh, one of the things that we found in our research that we thought was really interesting was, Leonardo, you have a journalism background. And we also noticed that a lot of the people that are staffing the museum are journalists. Why is it important to have that expertise on the team there? Um, professionally, I'm a screenwriter and, and I've been working with audiovisual for almost 20 years. Uh, but I have, uh, in the last eight years, I have been working this project of the Museum of Tomorrow, especially uh, handling the contents of the main exhibition and after the museum opened, handling all the other contents in programming and temporary exhibitions. I have a, also a journalism background, which I have never really worked uh, in a journalism team, although I have the, the, the masters on it. But I thought it was really important to have that background because it gave me a sense of how we can portray the challenges of science here in the museum in order for people, the visitors, to understand that the, what they are seeing here in the museum is based on science, which is not science fiction. So when we are talking about climate change, it's not about uh, just stories of people that are being affected by climate change, but also the science behind it and all the data behind it and that everything is accurate so that we uh, are not showing uh, something that is out of the blue, but something that is really happening to the planet. And in that sense, when I had the chance uh, to build up my team, the content team, I thought it was really important to have that uh, anchor on reality. So I thought that having a background in journalism would help to have that sense of that what we are showing here is the real thing regarding mm. science and, all, and that all data is corrected. So I think that that uh, way of approaching stories that are anchored uh, on data, I think that would be really important to have that background. 
Yeah, it's it's nice to hear that uh, it sounds like you're trying to lend a bit of journalistic credibility to sort of the messaging that you guys are are firing out with the museum. Um, what uh, so, you know, even with sort of the more creative journalistic background. So then what also led you kind of into the sciencey direction? Well, that we always uh, the museum always started as a science museum, uh, but we are focused on the challenges for the next 50 years. And in that sense, we have lots and lots of things that we approach from cosmology, our own general curator, he's a cosmologist, uh, but we also enhance other things such as uh, artificial life, artificial intelligence, uh, the, the changes that we are doing to the natural fluxes of the planet, overpopulation, overconsumption. So all of those uh, things we had to have consultants, uh, which are researchers from uh, prestigious universities and research centers in Brazil and abroad working with us. So just for the main exhibition, uh, we had 33 consultants from various fields, most of them Brazilians, very well known uh, in their fields of knowledge. Uh, and we also had some of them uh, who are uh, from uh, foreign countries. But what we want to enhance is that we had an international approach that everybody felt that what we are doing to the planet is global and we all be affected by it. So we wanted to not have like a, a tragic story of how we are polluting the planet and all that. Of course, we showed data uh, regarding those issues. But what we want is to have a more philosophical approach of why we are doing this to the very own environment that help uh, us maintain our way of life that we have today. And what we feel that science is telling us is that if we continue to consume the way that we are consuming, if we continue to use the natural resources the way that we are doing today, the future generations will not have the good life, let's say uh, like that, that we have today. So we have a climate that is fairly stable, uh, we have natural resources that, that are fairly available, but all that there are signs that they have. Uh, we are getting closer to the Earth's limits, and that's what to show here. That's yeah. I mean, so obviously that's a a uh, hot button topic, and you know we're we're based out of San Francisco, and uh, that's something that gets talked a lot about here. So let me let me kind of flip the switch to the other direction. So uh, online, the Museum of Tomorrow describes itself as an experimental museum where the content is presented through a narrative that combines the accuracy of science with the expressiveness of art. Um, so obviously for what we're doing, that's that's inspirational. But you know, if your mission is sort of around exploring these issues with where the world is going in the next 50 years, why do you guys find it important to link that in with art? Because what we have here in the museum is data, then uh, general people can find it online. But when we read a newspaper segment or a scientific report, it has a more rational approach to it. And we think that rationality, even though it's very important and it's science-based material, we thought that here as a museum, we should have people uh, more emotionally and sensorially uh, touched by the experience that we present here. So in that sense, 
we thought that the emotional link should come from an, an artistic point of view. In that sense, we have many videos, we have some pieces of art uh, in order to highlight the bigger concepts that we show here and to try to uh, touch people emotionally because we think that the reasons that can trend, can change behavior and change habits, they normally do not come only from the, the rational point of view, but also from the emotional point of view. And we think that art is one of the best ways to do that. And museums are fairly well known in using art to highlight one of the bigger issues that we are living in societies uh, nowadays. And we thought that that's a combination of rational and emotional approach yeah. uh, uh, touch our visitors uh, the better for them to uh, also act upon what they have seen here. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, it's almost when I hear you say that, it almost sounds like a literary approach of uh, using both logos and pathos, right? Um, can you? Uh, I'm I'm really curious. Can you kind of dig into an example of where you and the museum are kind of combining the rationality of a scientific approach with the creativeness of an artistic approach? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, here in the museum, uh, in the main exhibition, actually, which are a permanent uh, exhibition that we change often, uh, just to highlight that since the opening of the museum uh, two two and a half years ago, we did already almost 400 updates to the main exhibition alone. Uh, so because it's experience, so we can edit uh, the text, the figures, uh, the images, and some of the videos uh, fairly often. Uh, so what we do here is that each one of the five areas of the main exhibition, they have broader questions uh, that try to uh, try to highlight the main concept of each area. So. We have like cosmos, which is the moment of always. So the and the question over there is where do we come from? So those are questions that we have always asked ourselves as humans. Uh, that uh, when we approach the second area, which is Earth, when we see what has happened here in our planet that differentiates us from other planets, uh, which is life and thoughts that we have here. Uh, the question. Uh, is from uh, from where do we come from uh, and where we're going to? So those those big questions we try to portray most of those philosophical uh, uh, ideas. And in the final segment, which is us, uh, and the idea is uh, where we're going and how we want to get there. Uh, we have one uh, the only actually um, historical object that we have here in our collection which is a, a, a Australian Aboriginal Shuringa. Shuringa is a symbolic tool made by wood, which is really long, is actually, actually almost two meters high, uh, and has lots of drawings uh, carved within it. And actually our Shuringa is original from Australia, and it's around 200 years old. And what the Shuringa tells us is that uh, there is a, this, there is this story about uh, of the oranges of the universe according to the Aboriginal uh, people, and actually is like a tool that connects the knowledge of the past passed on for the future generations. 
And within their art objects and symbolic objects, we try to highlight uh, what our visitor here in the museum should do with the information and the content that he or she have come across along the main exhibition. Yeah, they can keep it to themselves, which is fine, but they can also share it with others and possibly get engaged uh, in ways to transform our habits and have a more sustainable future. So it's up for the visitor for them to feel that they are protagonists of that narrative. And what we use the works of art uh, is to try to inspire them in the ways that our planet works and how we are affecting them. Uh, another example is the uh, the kinetic, uh, kinetic sculpture that we have in the second area, which is the cube of matter in Earth, is that we have a, uh, a sculpture that was done by our North American uh, artist, uh, Andrew Hexel. And, uh, uh, and what he has done is a, um, uh, combined two fabrics that are floating in a vortex uh, of air. And what we try to portray there is that those are the fluxes, uh, that they can represent the fluxes that combined form the different climate patterns that we find throughout the world. So we have what we call the uh, four oceans experience, which is the ocean of water, but also the ocean of light, air and soil that combined form the different climate that we can find around the world. But those elements, even though they are different, they're always influencing each other. And we can think of ourselves as a fifth element to that because we are influencing the climate as well. So what we do is to try to use art to, in a, as a way for people to get in touch with that content in a different way. Very cool. And so who, uh, I'm curious, um, you know, as you talk about some of these artistic concepts, um, uh, what's firing through my head is who is your audience? Who are you hoping comes through the cure and experiences all that you have to show? So we are the most visited museum uh, in Brazil as far as uh, last year. Uh, we are approaching close to 3 million visitors since our opening. And we, in that sense, have a very broad uh, audience here in the museum. Of course, that we focus more on uh, children that are both eight years old, adults in general, and we also have accessibility uh, tours and paths in the museum that people uh, with some sort of uh, accessible needs uh, need in order to get in touch with the contents. Mm. But what we want to do is to have a better approach, especially with the youngsters, because we feel that they are the ones that try to influence more the adults uh, in that sense. And of course, we receive lots of schools since we are a science museum. And uh, the cool thing about uh, the researches that we have been doing uh, with our audience is that around 12% uh, of our audience has never been to a museum or uh, has not been in a museum in around two to three years. So they are not frequent in, in, in visiting museums. And that's a real big honor for us uh, to receive that audience because it means that we are like the gate of entrance for them uh, regarding cultural institutions, especially museums. 
So uh, we think that our digital approach of interactives and the way that we feel that uh, those stories can be connected to everyday life, I think that it can make a difference uh, for people that normally are not museums and hopefully will continue to visit more museums after they have passed through us. I want to take a quick break to tell you more about our Patreon page. As you know, here at State of the Art, we want to build the art and tech community, increase the conversation, and we love bringing you guests from across the art and tech world. But the thing is, there's so much more we want to do. We want to continue to bring you great guests. We want to do live podcasts. We want to increase the frequency. To do that, though, we need your support. Visit our page at patreon.com slash state of the art. Pledge just a dollar and you'll get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes footage, and a chance to be our super fan of the week. And let me tell you, this is pretty cool. Super fans will get a shout out on next week's episode and a chance to show your art and tech thoughts, events, or whatever within our social feeds. So go to patreon.com slash state of the art and become one of our patrons today. Now back to the episode. So can you talk a little bit about, uh, I, I know you guys are uh, working on some really interesting projects around sort of AI and robotics. Um, what do you guys see as the future of of where museums like yourselves can go and how you're using technology to enhance your experience. Yeah, sure. We think that technology is a powerful tool that can get people closer, but normally it uh, can also uh, try to uh, blind people from what they can really do with it uh, in order to get more an entertainment uh, approach uh, to the use of technology within museums. And we are very concerned about that use because we want people to be more uh, active uh, on the ways that they can engage with the museum contents and not just to be, you know, uh, immersed into technology is itself as a way to just be in- entertained by it. So what we try to do is to get is to use technology as a way to connect people and projects. And one of those examples is uh, the most recent expansion that we did to the uh, main exhibition, which is Iris Plus. Iris is a character that we created in the beginning, right before the museum opened, uh, which is the digital assistant uh, for the visitor, uh, which started as an optional uh, as an optional uh, visitation attraction, which every visitor receives our, uh, on. RFID cards that they can use if they want to track all the interactives that they check in with uh, because we have more than 2,000 screens of digital content. And of course, that's not possible for one visitor to see it in one day of visit. So what uh, if the visitor wishes to, they can register with name and email and use the RFID cards to uh, to connect that data with the screens that they have navigated through in the content because it's up to them to decide 
how much in debt they want to get into each theme. If they like climate the most, they will get in depth more into climate. If they like uh, DNA information, they will get more into in depth with that. So uh, using that uh, already existing attraction, uh, we uh, decided to come closer to IBM, which was already one of the sponsors of the museum, to use Watson, which is the uh, artificial intelligence uh, tool that IBM developed, uh, to put a new attraction in the end of the exhibition called Iris Plus. And Iris Plus would be the chance for the visitor to talk with dialogue with an artificial intelligence. So instead of just texting, uh, which was the previous and the, uh, the original uh, way for people to address Iris Plus, to address Iris, uh, now using the Watson technology, people could talk and especially answer questions from uh, Iris. So what we did is that instead of using uh, the name Watson, which is the brand name for IBM, we uh, covered it up with Iris, uh, our digital assistant, which is now uh, intelligent enough to talk uh, with the visitors, and Iris asks questions to the visitor. So that was actually a leak for uh, IBM because normally Watson is used to answer questions. So people ask questions and Watson answers, but here in our museum uh, is Watson who does the questions, who asks the questions. And the visitor uh, answers them uh, about their concerns about the future. So that's a leap in technology because normally questions are more direct and objective and answers can be more uh, broad and more uh, subjective in that sense. So we had to train Watson tool uh, with more than 700 interviews and tests before we launched it to the public because we want to make sure that what uh, the, the people were tell, telling us about their main concerns about the future, whether it's environmental issues or political issues or social issues, uh, Watson would understand it, that information uh, with uh, the visitor. And after that, uh, Iris would suggest projects here in Brazil or abroad that are connected to those issues that the visitor came up with. So in that chance, social projects that the visitor can engage uh, himself or herself with. So that's uh, one of the main desires that we have here in the museum is that people can act upon the planet uh, knowing our responsibility with it. And so we are using the Watson technology in, in order for people to be more engaged with volunteer projects. And we think that that's a, a cool way to make people more aware of what we're doing to the planet, but also more participative uh, hmm. in that sense. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting. So uh, you know, you guys are are, are this um, beautiful, really big museum. I mean, you guys are a, a, a huge operation. And for for our listeners, if you haven't heard of the Museum of Tomorrow, really, I would implore everybody to check it out. I mean, it's a beautiful, gorgeous structure. And um, obviously, there's a lot of time and energy that has gone into it. What I'm curious, so, you know, you guys are using this technology to really help people reach out and sort of 
make a difference connected to your mission. How are you guys, is there a way that you're sort of tracking your footprint that way? Is there a way that you're looking at what your outbound legacy is outside the walls of the museum? Um, yeah, we are always doing some researches uh, and we think that some of the key things that our audience is concerned about is uh, conscious consumption. So uh, what we try to do is to get some of those uh, informations and try to enhance our programming for it. And actually what we're doing right now with the museum is try to have some of our exhibitions and experiences uh, be reproduced or created outside of the walls of the museum. Mm. So uh, we have begun to think about some temporary exhibitions that can tour. Uh, we have tried to uh, do actually something that we have done uh, in the beginning of the year. We had the water, the World Water Forum uh, the, for the first time done in the Southern Hemisphere. And it was uh, hosted in Brasilia, which is our national capital, uh, but many, many kilometers away from Rio de Janeiro, uh, where the museum is located. And that was the first experience that the museum had um, that was outside of the museum, like uh, really mu with museography. Uh, we had a virtual reality uh, experience for the visitors of the forum to engage with. So what we have been doing after the first two years is now that we are trying to uh, have a more experience for our visitors, not only outside of Rio de Janeiro, but also near our communities uh, here in the harbor area of, of the museum. So the museum is located in one of the oldest areas of the city, which is the harbor area. And then that was an area that was fairly dilapidated uh, in the past decades and that was majorly refurbished uh, in the last decade. So many museums just opened here, like the Rio Art Museum and our museum. The New Aquarium just opened like uh, almost two years ago as well in this region. YouTube Space is also located uh, in this area. And we have a community of 30,000 people that live here in more like poor uh, living, uh, living livelihoods and that we try to connect them as neighbors of the museum into several activities that the museum uh, produce. So they participate in our programming, they can register themselves as neighbors of the museum and they can come in the museum for free. They have their own cards as neighbors of the museum that they can come in the museum for free and participate and engage in our activities, everything for free. So in that way, we try to connect the museum with the community that was that has been living here for hundreds of years. In that way, that we do not feel uh, as an outside, the new outsider coming to, into town, but as a neighbor that's trying to convey uh, the same values that they have here with the this historical region. Yeah, I think you probably were about to predict my next question because, um, you know, so you guys opened in 2015 and uh, there was a little bit of controversy whenever you guys opened. I mean, it was around the Olympics as well. And um, some of the issues in Brazil in terms of big spending and stuff like that have been well documented. Um, do you guys feel like you're actively counteracting sort of that message that 
you know, the, a big amount of money was spent there in the backyard of of uh, some pretty rough places? Well, actually, the museum and the culture itself is always something that is a way for people uh, to connect and engage uh, in 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 terms of different social groups. Uh, so what we think is that uh, as a museum, we have uh, an objective uh, of bringing and to be a place of not only education, but a place of encounters. And especially in areas that were fairly dilapidated, such as the harbor area for many decades, we think that cultural institutions can be uh, one of those places that other areas of the city and even from outside of the city can encounter themselves and uh, make connections. So what we try to do is to uh, bring out some things uh, that are sensible to the community, such as uh, the African-Brazilian cultural heritage. Uh, Here, uh, really close to the museum, less than a kilometer away, uh, there is a historical a site, which is the Valongo Harbor. Uh, this, uh, which was uh, discovered a few years ago, uh, which was actually under uh, the soil. That was one of the main harbors for the African uh, enslaved people that came uh, into Brazil when Brazil was a colony. Uh, that was one of the main entries for them into Brazil. And we think that uh, in having that theme being worked on our programming every year uh, along the year uh, is a way for us not only to address that issue of having more plural tomorrows, which is one of our values, but also to engage with the community nearby. So uh, the museum has two ethical guidelines for everything that we do. Uh, sustainability and conviviality, and we cannot do our programming uh, without getting in touch with the sensible issues that address, especially the community that lives here next to us. So, uh, talking also about the Guanabara Bay, uh, the museum is built upon a pier, uh, which is right above the Guanabara Bay. Guanabara Bay faces many challenges, especially pollution, And what we are doing here is several seminars and the expansion, the new expansion that we are doing to the main exhibition this year is uh, being is a a new interactive about not only the Guanabara Bay, but also for other four bays around the world, uh, including Chesapeake Bay in the United States, which has been going uh, in a decade long process of being depolluted itself. And we can look into those projects and un- try to understand how those uh, bays, they have been trying to evolve regarding pollution, community engagement and all that. And how those uh, activities and reports can inspire the issues that we have in, uh, in the base that we can look here from our windows in the museum. So those are the ways that we think that the museum can be a hub of encounters and a hub of discussions, and in that way, be uh, more connected to the ideals of people uh, that live uh, next to us. Great. Well, this has been super informative, Leonardo. I really would encourage anybody 
uh, listening to our podcast that uh, the Museum of Tomorrow um, looks just absolutely stunning and uh, it looks like an incredible experience. Um, and if if you ever find yourself in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, uh, I would strongly recommend checking it out. Your your mission is a very noble one. Um, and it's great to see that this is happening all over the world and people are paying attention to to these issues and um, promoting them through art. I mean, for, for where we sit and where our listeners sit, it's as critical to address these issues uh, sort of from a scientific perspective as well as from a humanities perspective. So um, we're big fans of what you guys are doing. But listen, before I let you get off the phone, one thing like we like to do with all of our guests is uh, we have some rapid fire questions that we like to fire off to you guys just to end on a fun note. Do you have a couple minutes to run through those? Yeah, sure. All right, Leonardo. Uh, so try to respond as quickly as possible off the top of your head, all right? What is the best part of living in Brazil to you? The best part is the cultural belting pots. Very nice. Who is who is your biggest celebrity crush? My biggest celebrity crush? <laughs> right now. Uh, I think it would be uh, Childish Gambino. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. He's He is huge right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I sort of have a crush on him myself, if I'm being honest. So I like that one. <laughs> uh, would you rather get away with lying every time you tried to lie or always know when someone else is lying? Always know when someone else is lying. <laughs> you have You have a suspicious personality, Leonardo. <laughs> all right all right and last but certainly not least because inquiring minds have to know boxers or briefs boxers <laughs> awesome leonardo well can you can you tell the listeners real quick how people can find you and or the museum of tomorrow yeah sure uh people can find us uh in our uh, social media uh networks but mainly through our website so go for Museu do Amanhã, uh, that's Museum of Tomorrow in Portuguese, .org, .br. And then there's, uh, or you can do slash uh, EN, which is short for English, or you can either uh, click on the banner uh, for the English banner that we have on the website so that people can connect with us uh, and know more about our programming and our novelties here in the museum awesome thank you so much leonardo and for all the listeners we will add that link in our program notes and in our twitter and all the places that we post everything so look for it there thanks so much leonardo i hope you have a great day thank you thank you bye-bye bye-bye thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the state of the art it was really exciting to talk to leonardo and i really can't express enough how much you guys should check out this museum uh it's absolutely gorgeous uh, if you want to check it out online, you can find it at M-U-S-E-U-D-O-A-M-A-N-H-A dot org dot B-R. And if you want the English section of the site, put slash E-N at the end of that URL. I'm so glad that you tuned in today, and I hope that you'll stick around for the next episode next week. Thanks for listening to The State of the Art. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it. It really helps us out. Leaving a review is super easy and helps other listeners just like you discover our podcast. 
Look, we want to bring you the coolest conversations from art and technology, but we don't know everything. If you guys have any questions, thoughts, or suggestions, please hit us up on Twitter or Instagram under the handle State of the Art. There's some other awesome exclusive content there too. Until the next episode, this is your host, Andrew Herman, signing off from State of the Art.